You are listening to the Grace Church Podcast. To learn more about grace, including our gathering times, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. Today's sermon comes from Pastor Tommy Jones. So today we're, we're in the fifth chapter of Ephesians. And man, I'm going to tell you guys, some of what we're going to talk about today is difficult. Like, it, this, this, today's message makes me nervous. Matter of fact, like, if y'all just sit there, I'll start pitting out. If y'all don't, like, show some, because this is, <laughs> really, I'll pit out because I'll get nervous, and then I got to do this one more time, and then I'll be the pity pastor in the third one, and it's just super awkward. So before I get too far into this, here's what I want y'all to do, because I need, I need a little life from you guys today to, get, to help me get through this. I want you to just look around and say hi to somebody. Don't get up. Don't touch anybody. Don't violate their space. Just, hi, how you doing? Oh, yes. <laughs> Fantastic. Can already feel me sweating less. Um, I mean, some, guys, some, some stuff that, that, that when you're going just through a book of the Bible, um, you occasionally encounter some stuff that's difficult. And so today in this fifth chapter of Ephesians, we are going to encounter some stuff that's a little difficult. And in the fourth chapter we saw, or, you know, in the ones before this, we sort of saw Paul using this analogy of going from dead to life. You know, we're talking about we go from death to life. And now he's going to talk about going from darkness to light. And this is just tough. So let me give you guys a little sample of where we're going today. Ephesians 5, verse 3. And um, remember, if y'all don't like this, it's important to remember, I didn't write this. Somebody out in the lobby was like, well, you just ruined my day. I was like, I think you mean Paul ruined your day. I'm, I would have written about something different, I promise you. So here we go, Ephesians 5, 3. But among you, among y'all, among us, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality. Not even a hint. Or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Yikes. So this is where we're going today. Uh, sexual morality, greed, foolish talk. Uh, let me get my hula hoops because I'm going to need them because uh, we're going to, I don't know, we're just going to need hula hoops for this one today. But it's like, so if, if you're visiting today, today is uh, Sex and Money Day at Grace. So I'm glad you're here <laughs> uh, because today's the sex and money. So, and if you have a kid in here, um, God bless you. They're about to learn a little something about life. <laughs> if you hadn't talked to them yet, it's going to be a fun ride home. But <laughs> all right, so today we're going to talk about some things, and, and it's okay. We're going to talk about sex and money and, and, and impure talking and joking and all these things. And, and once again, Paul is sort of talking about, you know, there's this old creation that's the world and there's this new creation that's the kingdom. And you and I are called to live in this overlap in between. We're people who live in this world, but we're, we're not of this world. We're kingdom people. And so he, he's showing us what it means to be different in this world. And I want to say this, guys. This is so important to me. Today I'm going to talk about sex and I'm going to talk about money and we are going to talk about some things that are going to be offensive for some of us. Um, but I don't want you to feel isolated on this because let me just tell you a little secret. In this church and in every church, the truth is everyone has failed in this area at some point. I need you to hear that because what the enemy's going to do is he's going to, he's going to, oh, oh, you're different. Oh, your sin can't be forgiven. Oh, they think you're, guys, there is not a person in this room who, well, some of you little kids, but the rest of us have all failed.
failed in this area at some point in our life, odds are. And so I don't want anyone to feel isolated. I don't want anyone to feel alone. What I hope we all feel is conviction. Now, if you sit through this whole message and you go, man, I'm good on all those things, yikes, you're in a scary place. <laughs> you are living in denial. And so like, but for the rest of us, let there be unity even in our mutual conviction, okay, that we all probably have room to grow in this area. And so, uh, but it's challenging, man. And he's not just talking about what you do. He's also talking about what you say. And so like coarse joking, I mean, like, Oh, I read this. I was like, man, what other kind of joking is there? But like he's talking, <laughs> like these things matter. It, it matters so much that if, we, if we're going to live in this, in, in this world, but look different than this world as kingdom people, that like we would talk and act and live differently. And so that's what Paul is going to address today. And then he talks about, he says, but in all, and he ends it with, but rather Thanksgiving. So instead of coarse joking, instead of sexual impurity, sexual morality, instead of greed, thanksgiving. Paul is saying that like this idea of naming things you're thankful for, of actually living in a state of constant gratitude, there's something so powerful about that, that it can actually not just change your moment, but it can change your moral compass in the way you see the world. If we are to live in a constant state of just thanking God for every blessing we have, and so man, this is really Really good stuff. And we see this idea of thanksgiving a lot in Paul's writings. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Paul says, Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. In everything, give thanks. I'm curious here. Do we have any Greek or Hebrew scholars in the room who, who know what he means by everything? Oh, wow. <laughs> Got some seminarians in the house. <laughs> you deciphered that. By everything, he means everything. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. In everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. For those people who are in Christ Jesus, for those people who are in this hoop that's not of this world, his desire for us is that we would give thanks in all things. And guys, so, so what we're going to do is we're going to put some pieces together here and figure this out. So Paul has a theology on thanksgiving, and that is that you would give thanks in what things? All things. Good job. And so now we're also going to see that Paul has some ideas about the body. Okay, so Paul, uh, he plants churches all around. And at one point, he plants a church in Corinth. And he plants, this is kind of funny because it's just new believers do the darndest things. But he plants a church in Corinth. And then he finds out that the new believers are all sleeping with prostitutes at the pagan temple. <laughs> Same old story, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who hadn't heard this one a thousand times? And so he, he's like, listen, you can't sleep with the prostitutes in the pagan temple. And so in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, Paul writes to them and says this, do you not know that your bodies, that y'all's bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. What he's saying is, for you people who are not of the world, you're in this kingdom hoop right here. You need to understand that your body was bought with a price, that it was the blood of Christ that actually claimed your body. And now you are a temple. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. God himself, through the Holy Spirit, resides in you. And so because of that, you're called to live differently. Guys, if you read the Old Testament, the rules about the temple, you couldn't just walk into the temple and do whatever you wanted. It wasn't my temple, my choice. Like you had to go by certain rules in the temple. 
You couldn't just walk in there. I mean, like there were certain purification rules and certain days and all these different things. And what Paul is saying is your body, for those who are in Christ, is so sacred and so special and so important to the kingdom of God that he's putting some parameters around it, not to stop you from having fun, but so that you can experience the fullness of life your body was designed to know. And so he says, guard your body, man. Honor your body like we've honored the temple. And so Paul has a theology on Thanksgiving. He has a theology on the body. And he also has a theology on suffering. In Romans 5, 3, this is another Paul letter. This time he wrote it to Rome. He says, we think this is a Paul letter. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings and that we exalt in our tribulations because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. Okay, you see this all come together? Paul believes that even in your suffering, we should somehow count those things as joy. He says this again in Philippians, that in, in, in suffering, we should find joy because if I abstain for something that I want for the glory of God, that's actually joy in me and it's building character and perseverance and hope. And so as I begin to, to put these things together, what I begin to see is, is there is a picture of, of life in this kingdom. And in the kingdom, there's, there's a picture where, where uh, we, we even watch what we talk about and we're careful with our bodies and we honor a God-outlined way of sexuality and, we, and we, we, don't, we don't do everything we want to do. And when we don't do what we don't want to do, we actually count it as joy. When we, get to, when we get to suffer a little bit or not follow something, we actually count it as joy. And so, now in the world, the message of the world is consistently different. The message of the world is not follow God, it's follow your, your heart. Do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. Like, you know, whatever. You want to sleep at the prostitute at the pagan temple? Knock yourself out. That, that's the world's message. As a matter of fact, the world seems to have a message that says you won't ever experience the fullness of life until you experience the fullness of self. But the message of the kingdom is, no, 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 fullness of life is found in fully following God. And we have to see th these two things, they're not the same. They're different. And so we have to make choices about where we're going to reside and how we're going to live. Ephesians 5, guys, it's hard, man. And again, I just want to reiterate, if, if you're in the room right now and you're thinking, man, I hope this person hears this message, you are so off track because it's not for them. It's for you and it's for me. We need to hear this message. Ephesians 5, 5, he says, for of this you can be sure no immoral, this is tough right here, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. For you were once in darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Live, walk as children of light, for the fruit of light consists in goodness and righteousness and truth. He's, he's another contrast. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruits of darkness, but expose them. It's shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it's said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. All right, what he's saying is, guys, life inside this kingdom hoop, it's going to be difficult. 
If you're going to honor, you know, even your, your sexuality to God and you're going to try to live free of sexual immorality, man, it's going to be tough. You're going to need accountability. And by the way, just a reminder, if anyone here hasn't been convicted yet, he's also talking about money. So come on back in. Plenty of room in the car for all of us today, guys. Oh, and of course, joking. Good thing we brought a bus. Need a lot of space. He's like, listen, if you're going to live in this kingdom hoop, you're going to need accountability. You're going to need some system of where, where you have other people in your life who love Jesus a little more than they love you, and you share life with them, and you talk about life with them. You don't hide these things. You expose them, like not right here, right now. This is not the place where that happens, because you can imagine the dangers associated with that. If everyone just got up and said, hey, blah, blah, Josh, you were there, and you know, just kind of, you don't do that, right? Yeah, I'm just picking on you because you're sitting there. You don't do that. But you have covenant relationships designed to watch out for one another, to protect one another. And then he's, this part right here has been used as a hammer. And man, I wish we could do a show of hands here. How many people have ever heard this verse used as a hammer against them? Ephesians 5 5. For this you can be sure no immoral, impure, or greedy person. Such a person's idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Y'all ever heard that verse before? Maybe you saw it as a Facebook meme where some Facebook lackey was attacking some sin they have yet to commit. And so they used this as a hammer to pound everybody else, right? No immoral Impure or greedy person has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Oh, I could do another show of hands here, but I'm not going to do it. Raise your hand if you've ever been immoral, greedy, or impure. <laughs> right? I mean, none of us have any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Aren't y'all thankful for Jesus? Gosh, aren't you thankful for Jesus? I hope what we're beginning to hear is, is not just condemnation. I hope what we're hearing is grace. Like we would all fail miserably if it was not for the grace of God Almighty. Like he says, but Paul seems to believe here that there are people who are actually going to try to water down sexual ethics. There's people who are going to try to water down what you're allowed to say and what you're allowed to do. There's people who are going to water down uh, this ethic around greed and around money. People are going to water that down. And they're, in doing that, they're going to deceive themselves and they're going to deceive other people. And I promise you, if y'all haven't seen anybody trying to water down these things to deceive people, then you have not been on social media. Because there's a whole world out there of people saying, hey, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's all okay. Because people are going to water this stuff down and deceive themselves. And because of that, they are actually going to experience the wrath of God. And when I read that this week, I was like, man, the wrath of God? That's pretty heavy. And so I begin to wonder, what is he talking about when he talks about the wrath of God? Romans 1, 18. It says, the wrath of God. If a sentence opens like that, what do y'all think he's going to talk about? The wrath of God. This seems like a good place to start. It's being revealed from heaven against all the godliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God's plan to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature has been seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people without excuse. Okay, so Paul's saying, listen, you have no excuse. 
There is no excuse. There is no safety zone. There is no safety net. You have no excuse to deny the power of God and his son, Jesus Christ, because what Paul believes is that God has made this truth known to you that he's making this truth known to everybody. And so he says, you have no excuse. And for people who ignore the truth, people try to make the truth whatever they want it to be. Guys, this is what happened in Genesis. You try to make the truth whatever you want it to be. You try to do whatever you want and just say it. He says, for those people, you're going to experience the wrath of God. And then in Romans 1.24, we see what the wrath of God is. Therefore, that means because of what happened before. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies to one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. You're going to see this language over and over in this part of Romans. So what does it sound like God's wrath is? Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires. I think when I think of the wrath of God, what I think is like God sees that speaker, he doesn't like it, and he crushes it. But what it sounds like the wrath of God here is, is if you want to continue living in a world where you define right and wrong, in a world where you decide what sexual ethics are, in a world where you decide what greed is, where you decide what's a clean, if you want to live in this world where you make all the decisions, what God will eventually do is say, okay, have it. And let, let's just speak, let's just speak truthfully here amongst friends this morning. How many of us, myself included, who have lived uh, and been in seasons of life of great sexual morality know that what I'm saying right now is truth? You don't need God's wrath because your sins will haunt you enough on their own. When, when, I, when I've lived in, in the greatest seasons of sexual morality, I didn't need the wrath of God because I punished myself. Every night I couldn't sleep every regret and remorse I had. Guys, if I have regret in one area of life more than any other, it's in areas of sexual immorality. I didn't need the wrath of God to punish me. What I was doing was punishment enough on myself. As a matter of fact, most of my largest regrets to this day center around that. that I was talking to a friend earlier and we were like, you know, aren't all sins the same? You know, because that's sort of the message we get. From the, all sins are the same. We've heard that. Maybe you got that from a bumper sticker or something like that. But like, are they? Are all sins the same? Can you guys think of a sin that has caused you any more grief in your life than sexual immorality? There's a reason Paul is picking these sins. And it's not because he wants to deny you fun. It's because he wants to protect you. Like if I could protect my kids from anything, I would protect their purity. So, so, so that they could stand in front of each other, you know, and stand in front of God with a clear conscience. Nothing haunts like that. And so what we see is Paul creating this image where inside the kingdom of God, we're not bored. We're not going, oh, I wish I could. We're going, oh, my God, I'm free. I'm not dealing with that pain over there. This is God trying to protect God's people so that we can live as God's people were designed to live. This isn't the angry God story. This is the good father story. And I think we forget that. Ephesians, yeah, the wrath of God is us experiencing. It's called reaping and sowing. Y'all ever heard that? That's, that's the wrath of God in this category. It seems to be what you sow, you reap, and God allows it to happen. But that doesn't have to be the end of your story, does it? No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as idolater and has any inheritance to the kingdom of God. 
That doesn't have to be your story. Even, even for those of us who have made mistakes outside, or I'm, I'm stop calling them mistakes, choices outside of God's will, that doesn't have to be the end of our story. When he talks about the inheritance here, I don't think he's just talking about getting into heaven. I think there's an inheritance on earth for people who live inside this kingdom of God, and the inheritance is power, and the inheritance is love, real love, and the inheritance is nights where you can sleep with no shame and no guilt and no fear. I think the inheritance is sex as it was designed to be, money as it was designed to be spent for the glory of God. Inside of this kingdom is purpose for every single thing. Even if your purpose is to be single for the rest of your life, there is so much purpose inside of this. The inheritance isn't just getting into heaven. People are like, well, you're going to go to heaven or hell for that. I don't care. You know what I care about? Living free in this world. If we worried more about life in this world and less about who's going to get into heaven and who's not, what I want to see is people living with purpose today. When I'm in heaven, we'll talk about heaven. But hey, glad you're here. Good to see you. You're here. Oh, you're here. You know, we'll do a lot of that. <laughs> we'll do a lot of that stuff when we get there. <laughs> we can compare battle stories about, hey, did you sneak in the back? You know? <laughs> I tipped the bouncer. <laughs> Whatever your story is in heaven, like the entire Christian life is not summed up by who gets into heaven and who doesn't. It's about life here, that we would live free here. And I, I think that's what this is going. And so, so then he, so he kind of does this turn right here in Ephesians 5, 15. He says, be, be very careful, therefore, because of everything I've said, be careful. Be careful how you live. Be careful how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of your time, every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. That's fair. That's fair. Why do y'all think he would? Did he get darker in here or is it me? I'm getting to the, I feel like it should get lighter. I'm getting to the grace part of the sermon. The light should be getting brighter if we're going to do an effect. But like, this is the good part. It's even dark and when I was talking about sex and money. But like, what? Don't y'all think it's not ironic that he talks about not getting drunk in the same chapter where he talks about be careful with your sexuality? Yeah, I don't know. Don't get drunk on wine. That leads to debauchery. All the people say amen. He said, instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always, there it is again, always give thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Okay, so he says, you can choose to live in this world where you do everything you want, and you do all your own way and whatever, and you know, you, you, it's I, 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 I. He said, or you can live in this world where, where we, we submit to one another. Where, I like this. He says, instead, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. It's like an episode of Glee. Doesn't that sound fun? Everyone just walks around, oh, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I mean, whatever, right? I don't think that's what he's talking about. I think, I mean, in, in a lot of what, what Paul writes is quoting from the Old Testament, which a lot was poems and songs. And I think he's saying speak Scripture over one another. Like, speak Scripture, man. Speak truth to one another. I think he does mean sing together too, but like speak truth to one another. And then he says, you know, give thanks for everything. We've already covered that one. And then he says, submit to one another. Like guys, in this, submit to one another. This was a world that was all about power and authority. And we're going to see next week what submit to one another means in your homes. But, but like it was a world where power was everything. And now Paul says, no, I want you to submit to one another. In this room, it shouldn't matter who has the money and who has blah, 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 and what you're sending. We are all one in this room. In the kingdom of God, we are one people. 
And so we actually elevate someone else over ourselves for the purpose of that person's freedom, even if it cost us. Again, this, this is the ethic inside the kingdom of God that I would hold back on a little of what I'm capable of doing, that I would suspend a little of my freedom for the purpose of making sure that you have more. Wow. Does that sound like the American church? Not yet. But I, 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 I think there's a movement in that direction again that we would actually suspend our status for the status of someone else. So... As this is next week, by the way, so next week we're going to do the last part of chapter 5, which I should read you guys just a little teaser. No, I won't. Uh, the last part of chapter 5 and the first part of chapter 6. And um, I know we all have ideas about those things, but I would love for you to come with an uh, open heart and open mind because God may reveal a new mystery to us. But this week, man, challenge, challenge yourself. Open, open the Bible. Read chapter 5. And challenge yourself. And then, and then this is the other thing you have to do. Because again, as I was writing this, I was, so, I was reminded of every sin I had ever committed. Forgive yourself. Receive God's forgiveness and grace. Receive God's forgiveness and grace. You are no longer named by your sexual sins. If you are in Christ, then you are in Christ. And the name I wear is not who I was when I was, you know, 19 or 20. That's not, who I, that's not who I am. Who I am now is Christ. And so as you're reading this, there's, there's going to be this tendency to bash yourself and to, no, 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 no. Know this. You are in a room full of people who share your pain. And there is a God who went to the cross so that that pain doesn't have to be your forever name. And so go home and, and do compare your life to this. How are you doing on greed? It's pretty easy to check. Look at your bank account. How are you doing with what you watch and what you let in? Are you deciding what jokes are clean and acceptable? I know that's a hard one. Gosh, it's a hard one. Like, are you deciding that? Or are we allowing God to make the rules for our life? Because one path will lead to your world and you will get exactly what you ask for. And the other path will be life in the kingdom where what you get is far more than you could ever dream of. Do you trust him? If so, let your life demonstrate that trust. Amen. If you are encouraged by today's message, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at thegracechurch.net. And again, thanks for listening to the Grace Church Podcast.